it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And thanks to our malt mates at Cry Malt, I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and that's just what I'm here to do, talk about beer. Or this week, beer without alcohol, as we chat with Jazz Warren from Nort. We've spoken with Jazz and her husband Grant in the past about modus operandi, but this is the first time we've spoken to Jazz about her alcohol-free beer project, Nort. In this conversation, we look at what's driving the alcohol-free trend. I ask why Jazz chose to separate the Nort brand from the core modus brand, Jazz makes some interesting observations about the decision to put the first beer in bottles rather than cans, and we also talk about the new lines that are being released this week, and a whole lot more. It's a great chat full of insights about one of the most talked about categories in contemporary beer. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Jazz Warren, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks for having me. I just realised as I was uh, you know, going through some background for this interview that it's been a whole two years since we last spoke. It was, in fact, July 2019, um, almost exactly two years. And it doesn't feel like it. It's, you know, so much has happened, but then we've also, you know, had the nothing that was 2020. I can't even remember what I was doing back in 2019, to be honest. There's been <laughs> that much that has been going on. But it's a bit mind-blowing. There's um, been ups and downs. There's been exciting things. There's been great wins. You know, there's been, you know, there's there's all kinds of things that have happened. But it's, yeah, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. And I think everyone's in the market saying that. How did you guys go through COVID and the, the, the pandemic year? Well, look, I think being relatively nimble and small, we were able to, uh, to pivot. And I know everyone uses that bloody word. And I'm <laughs> kind of sick of it. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. We uh, started yeah. to do things differently and change our business mm. model. Pivot sums all of that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, I think we were able to jump on that quite quickly. And, you know, I think we you know, got onto that direct to customer um, and we got quite an engaged customer base on socials and EDNs and things like that. So, that really helped, you know, just keep it ticking. And then obviously, you know, in package was, was you know, that that really blew out of control in terms of keeping up with demand. Just everyone was at home and, and wanting to drink from home. Um, but Responsibly, of course. Not, no, they're, they're. <laughs> no, of course. That's what we do in this industry. So yes. responsibly. Um, but I just think people weren't going to pubs and people weren't getting out and about. So it was, that's where all the volume was. And um, obviously kegs was uh, that kind of trickled right down. But in terms of, of, of how we went, I think because we were pretty small and nimble um, and we didn't have it, you know, we don't have huge um, keg demand. Like we obviously have demand for kegs, but not, you know, it doesn't make up half of our business. Um, we seem to uh, have gotten through. And um, I think, yeah, we really learned a lot, actually, uh, through COVID. Do you think that pivot to packaged or the, you know, the, the shift to packaged and retailers really embraced the move to local that was consumer driven do you think that's sticky or do you think we will gradually see that taper off as people uh, as consumers revert back to you know what they were doing pre-covid i don't think so i think everyone's pretty leaned into their their local breweries at the moment um look it it may change you never say never in this industry um i think there's you know there's obviously big players out there that obviously have a national presence um, and, and there will be more players that come. 
but I, I do feel like, you know, like our coffee, like our bread, people wanting to know where it comes from. Um, and I, I also think it's working from a retail point of view. I think people are going into shops and uh, into stores on, on the liquor level and, and wanting to find something different in, in each, each store. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, over the 15, 20 years that this modern incarnation of the craft beer movement has been going, there have been, you know, a whole lot of flags that people have wanted to rally behind, whether it was the definition of craft and the purity of craft. Independence is one that we see now. Um, But people just seem to have a resonance with... In, in integrity, whether it's uh, you know local or how, however you want to describe it, we almost uh, ruin it by trying to describe or define it. Do, do, do you agree? Oh, I, yeah, I think sometimes we can get caught up in it like a little bit trying to d- define, you know, what we're about. I, you know what I've really noticed lately is that I've had so many people, I'm not even landing craft beer drinkers, I'm just talking, you know, people go, you know, I like a beer, I like something that tastes good, looking for that um, certified independent label. Um, I think um, the independence, you know, the, the little badge on the back. And I, I really think that means a lot for people at the moment. But, I, yeah, I think people are really, really looking for that and I think pe- consumers are getting more attuned to, uh, I guess, the, the bigger companies and, you know, who are the, the independents, who are the family-owned. And I think that is starting to it is starting to matter more and more, I think. You, you know, we've seen, for example, Lion has been rolling out, you know, they've got Tiny Mountain, they've got Umundi, um, mm. they've got, uh, we've recently seen a, a, an interesting model coming out of Newcastle with the Steel City lager. Mm. Do you think people actually want local or they want local with independence behind it? Oh, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, I, think that, I, think a lot, I think, you know, a big proportion of drinkers, you know, they may see a brewery being uh, set up in a local area and just go, you know what, that's great, it's employing local people um, and that is our local, that is our local brewery. Um, I think it, it, it's, it's a different consumer that goes, hang on, I want to dig deeper. Who is this owned by? Is it going back into the pockets of Australian families? Um, so I think there's, there's two different takes on that. Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's it's there's no one speed to the market, or there's no one typical consumer in the market, is there? No, I know there isn't, and I look. I think for like the modest consumer, um, they they really care, and I feel like you know we actually just did a bit of a survey. We're just you know we've been in the market for seven years now, and we're just curious on you know where the consumer sees us, and so much of it came back to the story. The story matters. The story matters that you know um, Jazz and Grant. Um, uh, you know, independently own this brewery and, and you know, the story around it that we travelled around for six months, the passion, um, you know, our growth over time. People really, really resonate with that, which I was quite surprised even after seven years that that was still a place of interest for people. Mm. And last year, I, I think it was, this is where the wasteland of 2020 gets a little bit confusing, trying mm. to remember how you fix uh times to things but last year you announced them that you were going to be opening a brew pub in Merrill weather which is just south of Newcastle um, I saw on your website that you've got job applications open so you must be getting reasonably close oh we are getting very close <laughs> I, was, I was saying before that um, if you hear a big bang it's not World War three we've got a hell of a lot of structure still going up which is exciting um, so I reckon we're looking good for, for late into early spring for the venue open which is pretty exciting because it's been a mighty build. It is it is almost ground up. It's not just uh, moving into a big fancy warehouse. It is 
ground up. Um, and uh, being in Merriweather, we are, uh, you know, we're only uh, uh, skipping a jump from the beach. So, um, you know, the DA was tricky. <laughs> Is that because of the, the the idea that you're an industry, you know, a potentially polluting industry? Was that the, the thing that made the development application tough? Um, look, there's not a hell of a lot of breweries in Newcastle, um, and I think um, I think that might be that might be half the reason of it. It's not it's not com- it's not very common up here, so it's it's kind of a new industry. And obviously, Merriweather is it's a very lovely suburb, and there's not a hell of a lot. We're just in this tiny little industrial space. Um, so I, you know, they just wanted to to make sure that we would be operating uh, within our, you know, within reason, which um, of course we will be. Um, but it, uh, I, I find, D, you know, if you've ever got a, a venue um, associated to it, it's always a little bit trickier. Um, but that's really important for us is for people to experience, the, uh, I guess, the modus, the modus way to come in and see how we brew, to taste all of our beers, um, to meet our team, and I, we think that's very that's very important for our brand. Mm. And, and and it's and conversely, it's as you say, there is a perception that venues can be problematic. But you know, I, I don't remember too many cases of issues happening at brewery-run mm. venues. Oh, honestly, and I'm not I'm not just saying it's like we've been operating Monaval now for seven years, and you know, we we operate till to midnight, and um, we just introduce a it's we we open up the market to very well-behaved people. I think um, people are about. You know, not more beer. It's it's better beer and 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 less consumption, I think. And um, you know, we've always got lots of food and very family focused. Like the brewery up here, we're building this massive playground. Um, and even you know, when Grant and I were travelling around, that was something that was really important for us. Was you know, we'd we'd go to all these breweries in the states, and it was just just such a relaxed vibe and safe vibe and family. You know, families, kids running around. Um, and it wasn't a it wasn't a place to get silly. It was a place to sit down and enjoy. Um, yeah, so I, that's we've never we really haven't had any issues. But and that's one of the things. I, I, I yeah, you could almost do a PhD thesis on that. I think that you know you don't trash your own house, and you know if you feel part of a community, <laughs> you totally um, you, you behave differently. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things that small local breweries offer is that that sense of community that just encourages people to behave differently. Exactly. And it's, you know, I think it, things with breweries, like, you know, we get behind our local teams, like our, our rugby um, teams, our um, our surfing community, um, you know, charities. And I think you're exactly right. No one's going to come and misbehave when, when you know, we're all kind of a, a big community trying to trying to do the best and, and have some fun along the way. Now, it, it, normally... Uh, it, this was actually a chat about Nort, so we might move yeah. on to to Nort. Uh, we, we've sort of done the uh, modus uh, update. It's interesting. You you released Nort uh, last year, I believe. I think it was uh, last year. Um, yeah, um, almost I think exactly. It was um, September, I think. It was a bit of a blur myself. Yeah, it was a bit of a big <laughs> yeah. time releasing a non-alc uh, when you've already got a up and running brewery. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> How's it gone for you? It uh, look, it has been quite overwhelming. I got to say, um, you know, we were we. It was always a a concept of mine to bring out a non-alc. I remember when I was pregnant, I was um, it's all I bloody craved. I don't know what it, and I bet you a lot of other pregnant women out there, it's it's a thing. It's a real thing to crave uh, beer when you're pregnant. And I remember that was like oh god, four years ago. And at that time, there wasn't a hell of a lot of uh, options. And, uh, you know, it's kind of sweet and malty and, and not much bitterness and I could really only have one. 
which I've, you know, at the time I didn't really, it didn't really click. But um, uh, during COVID, I kind of, I, I noticed that, uh, well, obviously there was, yeah, I noticed people were, were certainly um, drinking a little bit more, people were at home and, um, and people were, I guess, struggling already with the load of COVID and all the struggles that come with homeschooling and working from home and job insecurity and, you know, not being able to go and see family. Um, and they were perhaps relying on alcohol um, a little bit more. And, you know, that induces anxiety and depression and, um, yeah, it just it, I, I could see it. I could kind of see it, um, you know, in front of my own eyes. And I, I just thought, you know what, this is a really great opportunity for me having seven years of experience of brewing to bring out a, a non-out beer that really, really tastes like beer. Um, so that was the concept. And I, I, I kind of had that concept in winter last year and I kind of turned it around quite quickly because I was very keen to get it to market because um, I just felt so passionate about it. I was like, yeah, I think, I really think this is what, it, what, what we need. Um, and so, yeah, come September, we were out and about, which I think we only had about a three-month turnaround to, to get all the recipes, uh, packaging and marketing. And, um, yeah, and, and since then, it's, uh, it has, yeah, it, it, the growth has been phenomenal. Who is drinking it? Like, is it um, the, the, the stories that when you, when you launched, you talked, as you just did, about your own background, um, you know, having a brewery while being pregnant, um, you know, there, there are changing views around alcohol, uh, you know, there's a wellness trend. Mm. What is the feedback that you've had in the, you know, eight, nine months since you launched it about who is actually drinking it and how are they incorporating it into their lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing I'm seeing a few angles. I think I'm I'm seeing people that are sober curious. Um, they're obviously you know watching this movement happen, and they're like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a whirl. I'm gonna try it for a week and see how I go. So I'll buy a six pack, and then and then you'll receive an email. And this is what's pretty beautiful about this non out. You receive lots of emails just saying, I've just had a week off. I was curious, and now I just bought a case, and I think I'm gonna go for the month because I'm feeling pretty amazing. Um, so there's a lot of that sober curiosity going on. Just, you know, they're watching the market and going, oh, maybe I'll give this a whirl. So that, that's one element. But I, I think the biggest, the biggest element I'm seeing and what I'm seeing in store as well, just with some data, is that it's a um, non-ALK is like an add-on to a traditional purchase. So it's really that balance piece. Um, and that's, that's, that's my case as well, is that, you know, I will I will still drink beer um, or I'll still drink a glass of wine, but then I may maybe switch over to a naught. Um, and you know I kind of might tic tac like that for the whole night. And I can usually drive home, or if I can't drive home the next day, I'd certainly feel fine to get up, and go for a surf or whatever, or go, you know, start work at bloody seven a.m. in the morning or something. But I am finding that it's a real balance piece. And it's interesting because, again, you can only look at the market through your own particular frame. And, you know, I'm a 50-year-old white man who started drinking beer when, you know, our relationship with alcohol was, you know, unhealthy. Um, You know, Mm. uh, if you had one, you tended to have 10. Um, But at the same time, you know, I don't know too many of my contemporaries who the first time they had beer said, this is the best tasting thing I've had in my life you know there, there was a, a, a reluctance to take on the bitterness um, because it was mm. a little bit different to what we did and if it wasn't for the alcohol um, mm, we mm, probably mm. wouldn't have persisted with it because it was what <laughs> blokes drank in the 80s um, mm. and you know I've, I've heard from generations of brewers now that 
one of the things that's seen the bitterness in beer gradually tail off. Um, even in mm. our classic mainstream beers was the avoidance of bitterness. And there is something mm. about the flavour of beer that has been off-putting to a lot of people over, over generations. And mm. I, I wonder where the incentive is to develop the taste for beer once the alcohol has been taken out. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, oh, I, don't, I think I don't. I, I think um, even if even if no one had tasted beer before, if let's say we've got a new a, a kind of a new generation, and that that new generation really is that mindful drinking where mm. maybe they're not even considering alcohol. To be honest, they're just like you know, it's just not for me. Which is which is amazing. It's an amazing shift, and you can't ignore it. Um, you know, you must must listen to the next generation. I still think there's there's nothing quite like beer. That you know, it's it's refreshing, um, you know, it's low calorie. I think that's another really important thing and, and that's one of our biggest selling points is we are the lowest um, lowest calorie Australian-made um, non-out, um, which we're pretty proud about. And I think there's nothing there's nothing quite like beer. Like on a hot day, you know, you don't you – don't, personally, I don't feel like a, a Bundy and Coke <laughs> or, a, or a, a glass of red wine um, after a day of like if I play, you know – after a surf or if you after a game of footy or after a big bike ride you want something refreshing and i think that's what beer has always been it's been it's been a um it's been a refreshing uh finish to the day um and everything you see in marketing you see it it's like you know um have that refreshing crisp finish and i, I think that's what i don't feel like even if um beer has no alcohol in it it's still that refreshing rewarding beverage um and you know it, Unlike soft drinks, um, non-out beer doesn't, you know, it's got no sugar in it, very low cal, uh, and it is, it's hydrating. Like there is sports, there's sports people out there, instead of drinking um, the big hydrating drinks, which, you know, have got a bit of sugar in them, they're now turning to non-out, which I think, God, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. I can see that happening. I completely agree, and and you know, like beer does have that extra, you know, that, that little bit of bitterness, that's the, the, the flip side um, to, to the question that I posed um, mm. and, and again you know as you say uh, I, I think it's roughly around about 200 calories for naught no I need 40, 49 calories uh, oh, sorry kilojoules I meant so around about, oh yes yeah, so yeah um, it, it is the lower um, end of that um, yeah which to some to some degree, diffuses that question of why not just drink, you know, a soft drink. Um, yeah. In, in in that case, because uh, short of having a Coke Zero, um, or you know, one of the ones that's got zero um, sugar or anything in, which has its own flavour mm. consequences, yeah. um, but mm. it doesn't quite have that same, you know, flavour re- refreshment reward that uh, a beer has. No, and like even sorry, going back onto the bitterness thing, that was something that was quite important for me, and that um, we've had we've done some taste testing on um, some other other non outs, and for me, I find and if you have it, I don't know if you've had a naught, but I have. I have look yeah. hand, hand on heart. I think it's one of the best tasting zero alk beers uh, going. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, but yeah, that was we, obviously we put you know coming from a brewing background, we were we were very conscious that we had to put something out that tasted like the real thing is you only get one chance at this um and for me it was really important to have that that bitterness at the at the end um and it's, it's not a it's it's not hugely bitter but for me it's a cue that it is a beer and and that's what i found in in other non-outs that i tried you know a few years ago is they didn't have any of that bitterness and for you know for someone that is replacing a beer with a non-out beer 
you want those cues. It's very important for for to, to, to replicate that beer experience. So you want that aroma on the nose. You want that, big, you know, that malt um, body and then you want that little bit of bitterness. So for me, I know that the market is moving to, you know, low bitterness and I, I don't have a problem with that, but I, I don't think you can, especially in non-ounce, you've got to be really careful with removing it altogether. Otherwise, what is it? Well, uh, according to the ATO, it may not even be beer. But then again, you're not yes. being ex- you're not paying excise, so it's- no, we're not, which is a nice change, <laughs> especially on uh, motor spears, which are high ABV. Yeah, I- I- exactly. Now, one of the other things, as I look at the photos, um, the you know the the, the first uh, um, incarnation that you launch, and we'll move on to the um, the, the new beers that you've just released. Um, yes. It's a little bit lighter than the the traditional heavy uh, brown bottle. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at photos of it now and you can see the sun shining through it um, which yes, is one of those nice pure cues that's a nice cgi image that one uh, um, but I, they I are, <laughs> there you go they, it is an amber bottle a lot of people ask that they're like you know coming from modus where we're where we're all about cans which um you know we, we absolutely stick to being good for the beer um for me it was really important for the first edition of not to come out in a bottle and that was because there's something about drinking when you're drinking a non-alk, so you're already taking the alcohol out of it. That bottle is a is another reference point for a, for a, a an alcoholic product. Um, it's kind of that more traditional um, uh, container, uh, which I understand. But um, for me, I had a lot of people going, you know what? I'm really glad you chose the glass because I feel like I'm drinking a beer. I can put it in a stubby holder, or I can do a cheers and it clinks. <laughs> um, you know, it's all those little cues that that mean mean something to to someone. Um, so that was why we went with the bottle. Obviously, we've um, we've got some new SKUs that are coming out that are in cans. But for that first kind of rendition, we we really wanted um, people to to associate uh, Nort with that with that bottle. That's really interesting because it almost yeah. It, it, I, I guess craft beer has its own impetus. You know, mainstream alcoholic craft beer has its own impetus. But when you are trying to get over what I call some of the frictions that ultra low alcohol beers are going to have um paying to you know paying back to that more traditional beer um is is a very important cue um i i'd not even thought of that yeah yeah well um no i kind of had that gut feeling at the start because we had to decide whether it was going to go into cans or bottles and i thought you know what this is unusual for me but i'm going to go bottles um and i'm i'm glad i did because obviously most of the the kind of craft beers are coming out are in cans which which totally makes sense but um that's our little point of difference it's two. You've only just released uh, the, the the new extended range um, that that are in cans, and it's a little bit early to be asking how they've gone. But what was the thinking? You know, what what gave you the confidence to to move on from the bottle and and put these new ones in cans? Yes. So this is the first time actually that I've spoken about the new SKU. So you've got the scoop. Um, oh, there you go. I, I did yeah. see it. Some I, I had seen it come up somewhere in my news oh, feed. Have you? So yeah. Oh. Someone's got it first. Um, I think there's an embargo on it until tomorrow, but anyway, we're going with it. Um, so, yeah, so so we're bringing out um, in uh, in typical Jasmine style, instead of just bringing out another one, which would have been simpler, I'm bringing out um, the Nort Refreshing Ale in cans. I'm also bringing, um, I believe, the first Pacific, non, non-out Pacific Ale um, out in market. Um, that's going to also be in the bottle. And then I've also got the Tropical XBA and the All Day IPA in cans. Um, so there's there's a lot. Uh, that's a, a quite a big uh, launch to come out, and we kind of timed that with Dry July. 
which we thought was exciting because what I'm what I'm really noticing is that uh, I think there's a lot of people now on the on the non-out train and I think they're now looking for variety. So that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do is bring some variety to, to people. And I think I've, I've kind of got a good range now. We've got the, you know, refreshing Pacific XPA and an IPA. So I, I believe people should be pretty happy now. Um, but the reason we've gone into cans as well, I guess, is the, the IPA and the XPA, um, I kind of, you know, they are targeted towards that, that craft consumer. Um, and, you know, I, craft drinkers do like drinking out of cans. You, you can't escape that, and and I totally acknowledge that, and I, I know that myself. So those guys will be in cans. And then the Pacific Ale, you know, I still think that there's a place for that in a bottle. I think it's still kind of a, a more traditional style um, or a more of a yeah, traditional drinker. So uh, that will that will remain in, in bottles. And then the feedback we've had and the reason I put Refreshing Ale also in cans is that you know, there's, and this is particularly down to COVID. There's a there's a lot of shipping going on with some of our online retailers, mm. um, and and you know, bottles are can be tricky shipping. Um, and we we sell a lot through through the online's like um, you know, Sands Drinks, Big Cartel, Amazon, Craft Zero, those guys. Um, they are they are going gangbusters. But when you've had such a good response to the the, the first beers in bottles from a consumer perspective, um, mm. was there any thought, oh, we're kind of, you know, made a bed that we have to lie in now and uh, deal with some mm. of those other shipping issues and things like that separately? No, because I still think, you know, you know, our original is our, our not refreshing our in bottles and we stick to that and we're very confident in that. Um, it's just for though it's more for the for the retailers if you know they are kind of shipping or um, or even if they've got you know shelf space constraints if you know they don't want to have a bottle and they've got all cans um, we've just tried to be flexible um, with with our retailers and also the consumer but um, you know I still think our flagship is is the uh, not not refreshing ale in in bottles and I, I've seen like you know I've seen a lot of um, other uh, brewers do do similar. Um, they still lead with with their their main skew, but they offer their retailers and consumers an, another option. And and what was the thinking behind releasing it as a complete rather than having Modus non alk having a completely separate brand? Yeah, I get I, I do get asked this a bit, and it's something that I um I tossed up, but I I, I felt very confident bringing a new brand to it. I just to be honest, I I didn't feel that I could pull out the benefits if it was a, a modus non-alc. Um, I didn't feel like I could say, you know, more beer, less hangover. It, it kind of casts a pall over the rest of the range, doesn't it? It's, it's what I always used to say about um, low-carb beer. Well, if you're still saying this beer is better for you, then all of our other beers are worse for you. Well, that's right. And that's and that's not what this is about. It's about it's about people letting people make their own decisions and li- living a balanced life. But what I didn't want to do was was, uh, you know, confuse that with the modus consumer or the modus um, flavours because, you know, modus are known for, you know, kind of hot forward, high ABV. Um, and, and that just simply isn't what I wanted for a non-alc. Um, and, you know, we simply can't get high ABV in a non-alc, so it was <laughs> impossible. Um, so that was, that was really what I was really passionate about. We've got it on the back of the label. We're not hiding from that. Um, and, the, and the other really thing that I thought was quite important was, you know, you look at some of the, um, and I, I hope I'm not being out of tune here, but you you look at, like, say, a Carlton Zero um, or a Peroni. Now, Peroni drinkers may not drink Carlton or Carlton drinkers not, may not drink Peroni. I think by having a new brand, it allows, it allows you know, a wider consumer that aren't loyal to that existing brand. 
Okay. It, it, well, I, for, for a second there, I thought you were going to say that, you know, if you're a Carlton Zero drinker or if you're a Carlton Dry or a Peroni drinker and then suddenly you've got the alcohol-free version, you open yourself up to criticism that you're trying to groom, um, you know, the next generation of drinkers by, you know, mm. you're almost like lolly cigarettes were accused of getting <laughs> people into in, into smoking. Um Yes, I hadn't thought of that one. That no, well, well no, uh, th- that was where uh, my, my mind was going. But I wonder whether, um, you know, we have seen the anti-alcohol uh, campaigners that where you have the same brand for your alcoholic and non-alcoholic. And I wonder whether you've forestalled any um, a- accusations of that because Nort, you know, doesn't yeah. it, it is a completely new brand that doesn't have that legacy impact of uh, high alcohol beers. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I really stand behind that decision and it's it's been a good one for us. And plus the name, it's pretty catchy. I'm even catching people saying, oh, you know, let's have a naught um, instead of just saying let's have a non-out. So that's kind of cool. I love the name. And um, and I also am a sucker for building, building brands. I really enjoy uh, building brands. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of hard work, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> so it. Let's go and create a new brand. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Grant, my husband's just like, Jasmine, what are you doing? Um, so, yeah, I, I do enjoy it. It's a bit of a buzz. Low alk, you know, th- there are challenges in, on a technical side of making it. Um, you know, the, the big brewers tend to use the very expensive, um, you know, make the beer at high gravity, get the flavour in and then remove the alcohol, which is prohibitive for craft brewers. Craft brewers mm-hmm. tend to have the, um, you know, the yeast-based um, ones, mm-hmm. the micro ones that uh, don't fully ferment out, but they mm-hmm. have their own challenges at all. Um, you know, I, I hope you don't mind me saying that, you know, when, when we first asked you about this, you know, I, have you installed a pasteuriser? You're a little bit, you know, reluctant to sort of talk too much about the the, the background to how, how the beer was made and where it was made. Is, is that changed for you? Um, no, we're still a little bit, you know, we're still kind of keeping that to ourselves. Um, but, no, we certainly, you know, we certainly are using um, uh, specialised yeast and specialised malts. Yeah, it's a natural fermenting process. So we're, we're certainly, that's the process we're using. And uh, there is some pasteurisation going on and then, then there's some not, depending on the skew. Um, but in terms of quality issues, obviously we've been in the market now nine months. Um, we haven't had an issue, and that's because of all the uh, everything we've put into the recipe and all the the brewing um, procedures around it. Um, but yeah, we we're still kind of keeping that to ourselves. But yes, it is de- definitely a natural brewing process, um, which you know you can see in other non-outs um, that are doing similar. It, it retains so much flavour, and you're really getting something that tastes like a, a beer. Is, and talking about brand building and, you know, you, you talked about having the independent seal on the back, which is a, a positive thing. You know, it, are, are you worried that if you sort of talk too much about where it's made or anything like that, that that may um, you know, have a brand negative impact on it? Um, no, I think it's just something that we're, you know, we're proud of the liquid that it is. And it's, yeah, there's, you know, we're very open with with that it's a yeast fermented um, beer, um, mm. and we're very happy saying it's a natural brewing process. Something we're really proud of, and and that's where the flavour's coming from. Um, but where it, you know, where it's made, you know, we we um, brew this at various locations around Australia, um, and I'm happy to say that too. But mm. I just I just don't feel like that. Um, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of where I where I can finish on it really like that's that's where I'm happy to to share and and then the rest you know is about the the delicious liquid in the in the bottle and 
and um, you know how tasty it is. Oh, and, and, and absolutely, as I say, it, it's if, if I'm going to drink a low alk beer, it's one of the few that I actually uh, get pleasure from drinking. Um, but it, it, it's just interesting how over the last 15, 16 years, um, mm. you know, and we've seen some of the biggest uh, craft brands, uh, you know, use production partners for a whole host of reasons, um, you know, whether it's mm. just the technical uh, capability or the capacity um, capability and those sorts of things. So I think in a lot of ways we're in a post-craft world, but, mm. you know, from a, as a, from a brand point of view, we, we're still a little bit locked into, um, you know, it's made on the northern beaches or it's made in the Sydney's inner west and those sorts yeah. of things. Do, do, do we need to um, move on from that? You know, to, to, do we need to embrace that the, the industry has moved on and, and grown a little bit? I don't know. Like I think, look, on the back of Nort, we, we're very open with this is, this is brewed under licence at various locations um, and we've been always quite honest with people that, that, that that's what happens but we're also obviously building a, quite a big brewery up in Newcastle and that will bring some capacity on board. Mm. Um, so I feel like for a brewer, it's always a dream to brew your own beer in your own facility. And and I think the community likes to see that. And I think that they like to come into a brewery and go, that's where my beer is made. Um, but, you know, it is bloody expensive to set up a brewery and it's not always <laughs> it's not always viable. Um and, you know, if you're a mum and dad, uh, you know, we've been at it for seven years, which is why, you know, we've grown, we have grown, but we've grown slowly um, because it's the amount of bloody capital you've got, it's huge. Um, and everything that we've made, we've put it back in our business. Um, but even with something like Nort, no, we weren't able to do that because yep. we're brewing out of a shoe closet, to be honest, <laughs> in and we needed help. And there is, yeah, the, the brewing partners out there are doing, you know, they're doing a great job to be able to facilitate um, demand for you know that this without them we would not have been able to to have the ranging and, and the accessibility all over Australia that we have so certainly very grateful that it's a that it's an option and uh, I guess there was no hint of criticism in that um, no, no. question because mm. I, you know that that's I, I think that's one of the conversations that um, you know that there are still a lot of people who want to get into the industry and I don't mm. think they realize you know that this growth doesn't just happen like you, you, you can't just sort of dial up your volume um, without huge investment and with huge investment comes huge risk. And, you know, it, 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 we're blessed in Australia to have some incredible, um, you know, contract partners um, mm-hmm. in terms of quality and in terms of their ability to work with creators to, you know, give effect to that to that vision in a, in a, in a way that does allow them to scale. And we would be hams... You know, I'd, I'd, as a professional observer, um, I feel that we sometimes don't, you know, acknowledge the challenges in scaling that you just uh, outlined. Oh yeah, yeah, and it it can even be a yes, it it I think there's a definite place, but it can even be in scenarios where, um, you know, you are in the middle of building a new brewery, and you know, to have to have that um, option to be able to turn on more volume um, when necessary is is we're very lucky to have that. Um, but I still I still come back to the fact that, you know, especially I, I would say, especially for Modus, um, you know, we 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 really like to have control of that and brew that out of out of our own facility. Well, and, and it's right, yeah, um, that, mm. yeah that, that, that's a good point to make because I, I, that was one of the things that fascinated me about the difference between the two brands. Having a second brand and, you know, Modus proudly Northern Beaches written on the can, um, yeah. you know, and having a second brand um, – I was wondering whether you felt that you had a little bit more freedom to, um, 
you know, step away from that proudly northern beaches because it, it, it modus was there but not front and centre. Yeah, I, I do feel like Nort is it, it's not so location centred. It's it's more about the benefit, and it's it's more about the liquid in the bottle, not so much that where the, where it's come from. Um, I feel like we've got so much to say about Nort that that we don't need we don't need a location piece. Mm. Mm. Now, one of the just in terms of uh, the, the the little aspects to a brand. Um, one of the uh, headlines I saw, Modus Operandi, uh, sorry, yeah, the headline was Modus Operandi launches plant-based non-alcoholic craft beer. It's interesting how many sub-cues the, 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 the category can have um, in, in terms of, um, I mean, not all beer, but most beer is plant-based, um, you, know, you know, but it's still um, a, a, attracting a different market and setting out a, a different set of perceived benefits to, to the product. Oh, you've got to get the buzzwords in there. You want to get the buzzwords. You pay a lot of money for those buzzwords. Um, no. Um, look, yeah, look, and all, the, the, all that data that's coming out is so much about this better for you movement. Um, and and I, I just, with the non-alc, it, it just went hand in hand with low-cal and, and vegan and plant-based um, and I don't. I don't think there's. Some people have gone that that means absolutely nothing to me. I, I just care about the non-alc. Um, but you know, we had space on the can. You know, you got to have talking points, and it was something that we thought. You know, there's there's some of these claims really mean a lot to people. Um, the low cow has meant a lot to people actually, because uh, some of those um, de-alkalized non-alcs, you know, they're still quite high in calories. Mm. Um, and there's people that you know I've, I've spoken to. When was I was at Sands Drinks actually? Um, that's Irene, the one with the first non-out bottle shop um, in Freshwater. Have you heard about that? I store? have. Yep, yep. Yeah, she's a firecracker. And I was in there um, talking about this new skew launch, and there was a gentleman that came in, and he, I think he's had like three heart attacks, um, and the doctors basically said no alcohol, low calorie, vegan, um, no sugar. Uh, he can't even go for a surf anymore, poor bugger. So he's on the boogie board, but um, he. And that mattered to him when I was talking to him about Nort. He's like, oh, this is awesome because it's got no sugar, it's low calorie, and it's not out. Like this is what I've been told to drink. So I, I think if we if we didn't put that message out, we're, we're kind of closing our doors on a particular market that's looking for that low-cal piece. So we, we've got Modus, which is the – how do you see your brand architecture? Is Modus – um, equal, you know, on a, on a horizontal plane, or is Modus um, the, the the top brand, and then you've got Nort, and you've got you you've also got a um, hard seltzer play. Are they all equals, or are they sort of differently structured? Yeah, so Modus is um, Modus is our family brand, and then we've got you know, and then below that we've got Modus Venues, we've got Nort, and then we've also got Saintly, which we're the um, uh, we're the distributors for. Um, in the independent channels, so that's that's kind of how it works. And um, I, if further brands came on board, which I am not doing that for the moment, um, but if they did, <laughs> I they I had a you scoop know, there. no, I've got a few ideas, but I've just got to you know concentrate on what's in front of me. I think, um, and uh, yeah, so Modus is 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 still the the you know that's that's where we started, and we're very proud of that. And there's been so much work that's gone in that. So that that is our you know that's our family brand. Modus is now seven years old, but your passion for craft beer, you know, predated that. So, you know, you, you were gearing up to open your own brewery um, in what were the, 
um, earlier, we'll call them the Wild West days of um, Australian mm-hmm. craft beer, um, things have changed drastically quite apart from the competition with the 550-odd physical breweries. Um, but then there are a whole lot of brands, um, styles exist today and styles are popular today that didn't even exist um, seven, eight years ago. And we're seeing breweries um, you know, bring out um, what I call buttressing brands, um, whether it's you know the Norts or the the, the, the hard mm. seltzers. Um, venues are becoming increasingly common. Um, how hard is it, on a business sense, to stay current, relevant, um, keep moving forward without you know the massive investment that you need? You know, from from a business point of view, how are you guys uh, dealing with all of that? Um, yeah, look, the, the, the market has certainly um, gotten more competitive, um, but I, I still think, you know, market uh, Modus is still um, very strong in its growth. Uh, and I, I think that's because we've stuck to our guns a little bit in terms of quality um, and also pricing. I think uh, it's a slippery slope in the pricing pricing world um, because it's so competitive and it's very tempting. It is very tempting to kind of go, yeah, okay, you know, I'll, I'll agree to that. But, um, you know, you, you have to stay financial. Um, that's really important. And I, I think we're seeing that in, in the market at the moment. And then I also think what I've particularly noticed, and, and this is kind of a segment that I work on in the business, is marketing. I mean, I think when we first came out, we were oblivious to marketing. We were just so fortunate. Um, I have no marketing background. I obviously do now. Um, but we were oblivious to the fact that, you know, apart from a few Facebook and social media and Instagram and a few articles and things like that, we were just very lucky because everyone was so leaned into craft and there wasn't that many that, that you know, we, we to be honest, had people calling us for, for, for the liquid. Um, you know, those, day, those days have changed. It's a very competitive marketplace. So a, a lot of it now, I feel, is driven from the consumer and that, that means direct consumer marketing. Um, so, you know, I, I, we're about to do our first kind of rather large modus campaign, um, which is pretty amazing. In seven years, we haven't done that. So I think that's, I think that's quite an achievement, to be honest, um, in, with a consumer good. But, um, yeah, I think that is where we're kind of growing up as an industry is really realising that that we are in this consumer good industry and, and you know, marketing is a big part of that. Um, it's it's very noisy out there. Um, so you have to have a, a good brand story um, and you have to get that out to the consumer that, that you know, that reads authentically. God, there was so much. <laughs> so much Sorry, in I'm that. a fast talk. No, no. It, it's like it, uh, no, no, we could almost do a, a whole separate podcast, but I would, <laughs> we, we, we won't. But I just I, – I, it was interesting when, when you were talking about price um, and, you know, dropping it, it – it, as, as an industry and as a community, we talk so much about sustainability and there is an element about business that's not sustainable if you're willing to get that short-term sugar rush of sales by dropping your price, but does it devalue your brand? Well, I think it depends on your model. There's, there's, you know, there's business models out there, you know, mm. um, but for a, for a family-owned business um, that want to have like a long, long tenure in this business, you, you can't do that. You, you can't. Um, so, you know, I only know my model, um, you know, our model, and it is um, to kind of stay firm and, and really back ourselves and the, and the quality product we're putting out. Would you, if, if um, your time in the cycle was different and but knowing what you know now, would you take the risk of opening Modus today um, as, as a, you know, Greenfields brand and venue? Um, 
oh, if I was just doing a local brewery, I if I was literally not only selling package out of my um, out of my doors, like out of my brewery doors, I would do that. Um, I'd be, I'd probably, but as long as there wasn't a billion breweries in the same locality, mm. <laughs> I'd be okay doing that. Um, but I wouldn't go into it thinking I was going to make, um, you know, money hand over fist. I just feel like, you know, I just don't think that's possible. Um, and then, you know, I think breweries coming out thinking they're, you know, going to be a national brand. Geez, it's hard. Like you, you'd, um, you would, yeah, it, it's, it's very, I, I, I wouldn't be doing that. No, I wouldn't. Uh, just as you're about to open a new venue, but fortunately, it's uh, got the same branding as the uh, the the one that you had cl- a little bit more clear air on. So yeah, so Modus Merryweather. I mean that um, that's always you know we've I think we've mentioned this in podcasts before, but you know uh, Newcastle was close to our hearts. It's kind of where we were looking originally, um, but it is it's it's a locality that doesn't have a huge amount of, bre- of breweries. Um, we've always been really fortunate that there's been a lot of Modus fans up here uh, and it really follows our same kind of mythology with down in uh, Mona Vale with that kind of beaches brood and, um, you know, that kind of lifestyle. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited about opening this. We've got some great feedback from the community. We're already doing some awesome things in the community. Um, so I'm really excited to get this this new brewery open uh, late late uh, August, hopefully, sometime around then. Beautiful. Well, uh, now the, the new range of Nort uh, beers, we'll, we'll bring it back to Nort. The new range is being launched tomorrow, um, you were saying. This podcast will go up tonight, so anyone who listens to it, start looking for all of the uh, discussion about the new range of uh, Nort in cans. Indeed. No, it's very exciting. So that's going to, yeah, that's kind of being released to the market, but it, it will be hitting kind of shelves uh, early July, just in time for dry July. But we are doing our first tasting, if anyone's in Freshwater this Saturday at Sands Drinks. Um, and we'll have all the new SKUs down there for sale, which um, I think that'll be the first place in Australia where we uh, we get to show off our new wares. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on, on the North brand. As I said, it really has, uh, you know, when we've run uh, – discussions on our uh, Radio Brews News Group. It's it's one of the ones that people have really enjoyed. And uh, as you said earlier in, the, in this conversation, the brand really does stand out. So congratulations on, uh, on on what you've achieved there. Oh, thank you. No, I really appreciate it. It's, it's been a bit of work, but it's um, I'm, I'm, yeah, really proud of, uh, of little Nort Baby and um, <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you, Jazz Warren, uh, for joining us for this conversation about beer. All right. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. And that was Jazz Warren from Nort Beer. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryo Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryo Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are our proud partners in beer podcasting, and we thank them for all of their support. Listener.